Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices news radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and our Reasonable Voice today is Peggy Vanyaris, a professional in landscaping architecture, who was the owner of the Vanyaris Associates, which specialized in design and campus planning for colleges and universities. Ms. Vanyaris says she's almost a Charlottesville native, as both parents were born in Charlottesville, and she has lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, since 1965, raising four children in Seaville, all of whom attended public schools in the city of Charlottesville. Peggy Vanyaris is passionate about environment and our education, and as a dauntless civic leader, she is a tireless advocate for both. Currently, for example, Ms. Vanyaris serves on the Charlottesville Albemarle Technical Education Foundation Board, the Charlottesville's Tree Commission, the Democratic Road Forward PAC, and is currently the head of the steering committee for The Grove. So clearly, Peggy Vanyaris lives what she advocates as a civic leader and advocate for the environment and education for all, young and the not-so-young, with the skills for a lifetime. Thank you, Peggy Vanyaris, for adding your reasonable voice to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Peggy, now obviously... I want to talk to you about The Grove, as it is the mission that marries your three passions. But first, I I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about Drury J. Brown and what impact his life had on Charlottesville, Virginia, and, and perhaps on you personally. Well, Drury was a civil rights leader, African-American man, um, who died in 1998, and he was a beloved member of this community. You couldn't talk to Jury without a smile on your face mm. because he was just smiling all the time. And he worked very hard to create jobs, particularly for underprivileged members of Charlottesville. He was the kind of guy, if you wanted something done, didn't matter if you were white or black, rich or poor, call Jury up because he knew everybody in town. Mm. He knew the judges, he knew the police chiefs, he knew the city council. 
And he was just, everybody loved him. When he died in 1998, the city was building uh, West Main Street Bridge. Mm. They dedicated it in his name. It's now called the Drury Brown Memorial Bridge. And on it are 37 other uh, civic leaders in Charlottesville um, and probably some in Albemarle that have worked to build bridges uh, with, you know, across races, across income levels, and just bring people together Mm -hmm. to work on issues. Yes, Charlottesville itself has, has seen recently, as we all know, great divisions suddenly appear that we, um, I think those, and I live occasionally in Charlottesville, so I would always kid myself when I did New York type things, like lock my car all the time. Hey, you're in Charlottesville, relax. So <laughs> it, it, there, it has this a beautiful reputation, certainly historically, uh, and and wonderful places uh, to visit and and to eat and 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 great people and all of that. And yet, it has certain demarcations too. So the work goes on, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. And and that brings us, I guess, that brings us to the Grove. Tell us about the Grove. Who 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 had this idea? If I can just back up just for a second. Sure. And. Um... You talk about Charlottesville, and of course we had an injury to our community in August 2017 yes. when the alt-right and the Nazis came. And it's been a tough time trying to heal this community. Mm. And one reason that I'm interested in honoring people like Drury uh, or people that we're going to honor in the Grove, and many of them are the same people, mm. is that to let people know that what our civic leaders have done, particularly people, what they've done since um, Vinegar Hill and Massive Resistance. Yes. I, I think a lot of the young people here in town seems to think that Charlottesville racial history ended with Massive Resistance and Vinegar Hill, but yet people like Drury and others on the on the, on the bridge and will be in the Grove work to really make this a better place yes. you know we're, we're not to the place we'd like to be and we still have a lot of work to do to bri- build bridges and make it a fair community for all but I think I think these civic leaders are important so you anyway it's a long answer let's get to the Grove the Grove started with my father-in-law Mitch Van Yeris, who again was a great friend of Drury's and a, another beloved member in the community uh, people would say didn't make any difference if you were a Democrat or Republican. You know, you might not agree with Mitch, but you dag on, you couldn't help but love him. <laughs> yes. So he died 2008, mm. and a group of people came to my husband, Mitch's son, and I, and asked to do some kind of memorial for him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then some other uh, civic leaders died, Jim and Bunny Murray particularly, and we thought, well, let's. Let's do um, honor. Let's honor them. Mm-hmm. And we thought about these wonderful 150-year-old oak trees in the middle of McIntyre Park on the east side, on top of this hill. Yes. We went to the city manager, and they said that's a great idea. But why don't you work with cha- the chamber and honor all the Citizen Award winners, of which Mitch was the first in 1975. Mm-hmm. So that's how it got started. And so it'll be a beautiful stone terrace underneath these 150-year-old oak trees overlooking the city. And there we want to honor the Chamber's Citizenship Award winners, and uh, we want to preserve the oak trees at the top, Mm -hmm. and we want to educate students about civic leadership. That's why it 
combines all my three passions. That's right. Uh, and, and, you know, and I mention that because I know uh, I've heard you say that even before, but the environment and, and civic leadership and education and, and, of course, for younger people, as you also mentioned, making them aware that it hasn't, I believe the word you used was wounded in August 2017. That's an excellent word. Not destroyed, but wounded and made aware that there's work yet to be done. Yes, but but young people might only know about that most most recent time as opposed to all the work that civic leaders, people like yourself and uh, uh, and and who have uh, who have always worked and many times as volunteers to to do things to help Charlottesville grow in every way, but particularly in the ways that you uh, have dedicated so much of your time to education and to providing leadership by example to the community. And now for the environment, I I know McIntyre Park a bit. When I first bought a house here, I would drive through, but that was before, I believe, the Vietnam Memorial was put there. Is this going to be near that area, or is it a different set of oak trees? Because there are quite a few there. Well, this this is up the hill from uh, the Vietnam Memorial. Uh-huh. So Vietnam Memorial is right along the edge of 250, yes. and there is a grove of oaks in which the skateboard park is now. But this is a grove of oaks on the top of the hill. Mm. And the old Mason farmhouse was there. And we think that that was in the uh, beginning of the um, 20th century. We think that there were outbuildings there. And so these oaks grew up around the outbuildings and didn't get cut down in the field. So Mm. it's left this really oval-shaped lawn that's shaped by these oaks. And it's just a magnificent spot. So that's... It's just a wonderful spot to go to, to see the city, to see the whole park. Yes. Um, so that's why we've chosen that spot. Well, of course, Mitch was an arborist, too, and oaks were his favorite trees, so it fits <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Well, other other uh, thoughts about the environment in general at, uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, or Albemarle County? I guess we should explain to those who don't live in Charlottesville that uh, Charlottesville, Virginia is also the home of the University of Virginia, and it is within Albemarle County, which is happens to be my favorite county in Virginia. But what other sort of things have you been doing? Uh, you're, you're so passionate about the environment, and I want to get to each of your three passions. <laughs> but tell me, what are there other environmental issues you've addressed? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm a landscape architect by profession, and yes. of course, I love the outdoors and trees. But I've worked I also work for Piedmont Environmental Council. I've been on the city's Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, the Board of Architectural Review, and currently right now I'm on the the city's Tree Commission. Yes. And basically we advocate for trees. We try to preserve our wonderful trees in the city. We we advocate for more tree planting. So that's that's a passion of mine, Mm. and it comes from just my profession, and then I happen to marry into a tree-loving family. Yes. <laughs> so there you are. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Trees is, well, it's a, it's beautiful. It's reason I have a home in Virginia. I mean, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm in New York and D.C. more often than, than not. But I always enjoy coming back to Charlottesville and on Route 29 South. I've said this before to people, as you, there's a certain point at which you sort of curve in the road and there are the Blue Ridge Mountains and all the green 
is just so um, it, it's just so warming and reinvigorating. I guess is my point. So I don't, I wonder if we if we're close to commercial time. No, we have a few more minutes. The the, the so s civic leadership. I mean, clearly you are an example of that. But how? Well, thank how, you. how do you define civic leadership? If some, if a high school student came up to you and said, "What is what does that mean, civic leadership? What does it mean to you? What would you say to them?" Well, it means basically getting involved in your community and whatever passion that you are passionate about. Uh -huh. uh, you know, volunteering for your schools. I mean, volunteering for the parks or whatever it might be. You know, volunteering to mentor kids. I mean, it, it means going outside yourself, really, and, and thinking of the community as a whole and yes. where you can help with that. The chamber is about to announce their next citizenship award winner, and it happens to be Juan Diego Wade, a man who's on the school board in mm -hmm. Charlottesville. Yes. But if you were to read his resume of all the volunteer work he's done, you would be exhausted. <laughs> so he's a prime example of someone, uh, I might embarrass one, I'm not exactly sure how old he is, but <laughs> he's not old, he may be 55, who has dedicated his life to just helping others and making this a better community. And and you, you mentioned, you know, Vinegar Hill. I only learned about Vinegar Hill, really, uh, when I first came here to direct some videos, the before and after videos of uh, the Jefferson School City Center. And, uh -huh. uh, and, and then actually doing those interviews is how I heard the most about it and met people who lived here who didn't know much about it. How, how are we, uh, we certainly there's, there's been progress, there's no question, but how do you see us moving now when you think, uh, especially when you use as a reference point, as you did at, at some point earlier, what happened? Well, maybe you should tell us because there are people, this is after all an internet uh, show, and so the world is listening. It's, uh, it's not just Charlottesville-based, but what happened in Vinegar Hill? What, what was that about? You know, I'm not an historian, so I don't know all the details, but in the 60s, it was an area of downtown that was ma mainly residential and, and a, a number of stores, too, owned by the black community. Mm -hmm. Some people said it was run down. Some people said, no, it wasn't. You know, you could we could have solved that problem if it was run down by helping people build their houses, bringing better utilities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I wasn't here, but city council decided to basically tear it down. Yes. And so we had this huge swath in the downtown that was torn down and nothing happened for a long time. Mm. So it was this basically, the heart of the city was vacant and it, it, the people were moved out um, to public housing and they lost their community. Mm. Um, so it's it's it has been another scar on Charlottesville, and um, but there are efforts now to rebuild some of the, some of that area. Yes, uh, and to make it a stronger community. Yes, and our mutual friend is now the uh, I guess president or CEO of the foundation at the Jefferson School City Center, which is literally quite center, uh, right in the center of what is still Vinegar Hill and sort of a reminder of 
how far we've come and how far we were uh, in uh, past history, I guess. It's, it, it, has, it, it stands as a reminder that we have to keep going forward. Is, what do you think? Is that a good way of putting it? Yes, and also, well, tonight at City Council, the New Hill um, Development Corporation is giving a presentation, and they've been studying some of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually about eight acres of land that's now used for the city maintenance yard, which is really in the heart of this community that was torn apart, uh-huh. and how to redevelop that area and bring it back to life and make it an important part of the city. So, you know, the work continues. Excellent. All right. Well, we are now going to take a break. You may not be a historian, but I certainly got a, a, a broader sense of what took place because I went through a lot of interviews and slowly but surely found out uh, much. But you, you, you broadened my, my knowledge in that area, and I greatly appreciate it. We are talking with Peggy Van Yaris, and she is our reasonable voice today. She is an uh, advocate for the environment, for education, for civic leadership, and she stands as a marvelous example of all three for young people and people of all ages. So stay with us. We'll be right back. There's lots more to learn about Charlottesville. There is nothing wrong with me. They keep me. He was funny before he developed dementia, and he was funny after. Denial is not the solution. Alzheimer's is not going to go away. More than 5 million families are dealing with Alzheimer's or a related dementia. And that is more like 20 million people. Because for each individual with a diagnosis, there is at least three primary caregivers who are trying to take care of them and give them the support and the love they need. Right here in Central Virginia, though, that number is close to 150,000 of our own friends and neighbors. We do all kinds of activities in the community, and we do those with the staff and the volunteers of those organizations having been trained. We pay attention to enjoying the opportunity of a community event and being out in the public. Our vision, of course, is a world without Alzheimer's. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 1-800-272-3900. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. Our Reasonable Voice today is Peggy Van Yaris. She is a professional in landscaping and architecture. She was the owner of the Van Yaris Associates, which specialized in design and campus planning for colleges and universities. And she loves her community and shows it by doing something for it and working with through education programs and for the environment and very much a living example of what civic leadership means. And early on in the first segment, we spoke of what was the Main Street Bridge and why its name was changed. And could we, Peggy, go back to that a bit and and tell us how, uh, you know, because I asked you about uh, Drury J. Brown's life and how it impacted Charlottesville. How did gain his life, but also the bridge and specifically, how is that connected to your project, The Grove? All right. Well, we're actively involved right now. Uh, When I say we, I mean there's a group of private citizens along with the local Chamber of Commerce, you know, raising funds to build the Grove, which we hope to have built by next fall or 2021 fall. Mm -hmm. But there is a direct connection 
between the Drury Brown Bridge and our grove. And because it might take a little bit of explaining, but the grove, we see the grove as a launching pad to do a bigger vision. Hmm. And we, we call that bigger vision a central park for all because we'd like to raise funds to improve the whole park uh, after we get the grove done. And part of that central park for all is trying to make McIntyre Park really for all the people. Yes. There is some history connected with the park that it was bought for white people of Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Washington Park was bought for the black people of Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. Those are scars again on our community, but we'd like to see it made to a central park for all because the east side of McIntyre Park is 75 acres of wonderful rolling landscape with big trees and streams and wonderful views. So it should be open to everyone. So a second part of our vision is to create or help promote a crosstown greenway that would go from McIntyre Park and the Grove, which honors civic leadership, all the way over to West Main Street to Drury Brown's Bridge along an abandoned railroad. Hmm. Uh, and, and this would be sort of like New York's High Line or Richmond's yeah. Low Line. This would be, we like to call it the Bridge Line hmm. because it goes from West Main Street Bridge to the Bridge, John Warner Parkway Bridge right before McIntyre Park, connecting these civic leaders and also bridging so many different neighborhoods all throughout the city. That's how we see a connection. So we'd like to build a grove first, let people see what a wonderful park this is, and then launch a, a bigger effort to improve the whole park and create, help promote and help the city create this crosstown greenway. Wow, that's incredible. And you know, it's daunting. Yeah, yes, yes, it's daunting. Yes. <laughs> well, let me, why don't we do this now? We'll do it also at the end of the show. But while we're talking about this, all of this does take generosity of time, but also the generosity of making donations and, and raising funds to accomplish this. This is a tremendous goal, ideal, dream for the city of Charlottesville and Albemarle County. And you know, we are one of the destination spots for tourism, uh, you know, throughout the, the nation. So how can people contribute to this? Is there a website, a, a Facebook page? Where can, where can people go to donate funds to make this happen? Yeah, well, they can help make the Grove happen by going to uh, website www.chamberandgrove.com C-H-A-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-G-R-O-V-E one word dot com or we can send checks to the Charlottesville Community Foundation Charlottesville Albemarle at 114 4th Street Southeast Charlottesville, Virginia, 22902. So they could send checks there with the Grove uh, in the memo yes. or to the website. Thank you. Oh, oh excellent. And, and we'll uh, recap that later. But I wanted to make certain we mentioned that since we were just talking about that. You know, we talk about the beautiful things that can be done and have been done and will be done. But sometimes yeah. people forget because Charlottesville is such a volunteer-oriented town, the work 
still costs money. People can donate their time, but without funds, things take take longer. Let's put it that way. So everybody, uh, please uh, be a part of this in any way that you can. Back to you, Peggy. Uh, not that we ever left you, really. Education. I have been a teacher from time to time in my life. Only for a brief time was I a classroom teacher, but I truly loved it. But in New York, I, I teach at private schools and all ages and for show business and all that sort of thing. But tell us, what brought you to this passion for education? Well, I actually, when I was in college, I studied to be an English teacher. Ah. But I was all of a sudden brought with my former husband to Charlottesville, and the school year had already started uh, after I graduated from college. Mm. And so I couldn't get a regular teaching job, and I started teaching in the preschool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later taught for Head Start. So that's how I got interested in education. I've always been interested in young people. Yeah. But since then, you know, I've been on with my own children, various PTOs. I was on the Charlottesville School Board for six years and on the board of Ready Kids, which is an organization that helps kids that are at risk. Mm. Currently, I'm on the KTEC, the um, technical school here, foundation board. Mm-hmm. And our main purpose is to give scholarships to adults going back to school in the technical school, in this technical school, or going on to some kind of higher education after, you know, giving them scholarships to go on to some higher education after KTEC, whether it's community college, you know, work training, regular college or whatever. You know, it, I, I used to say, and of course it's an oversimplification and generalization, but I used to say quite a bit to people, you know, our problems could be solved with education. Education is the key. And the, the earlier we can get truth and honesty and facts and history into the brains of our children, they will grow up and see. And I think, I think we've come a long way in that. I mean, generally as a nation, as a people. But still, how does one convince a person? The young might be easier to convince. But how about somebody of retirement age, the importance of civic engagement? How do you do that? Civic engagement or public education? But, well, for you, I think they go hand in hand, but okay. Yeah. Well, I... I... To me, I mean, public education is probably one of the most wonderful things about American government. Yes. Uh, that everybody can get an education. You know, uh, I just think that's incredible. And hopefully uh, all us older people, we've certainly benefited from education. I would think we'd see it should be e- pretty easy to see how making sure our younger youngsters are educated and and understand the history of our country and understand the history of their community and want to partake. So I, it's, it's an easy sell to me, but. <laughs> yes. But sometimes there is resistance. I know I stirred up a lot of unexpected trouble only because the principal loved what I was doing at the school that I, when I came back from New York, the first time I, I got a job teaching, I won't say where it is, but it was in McLean, Virginia, and I loved it because it wasn't something I'd ever done. And they were, of course, students as opposed to the age group I was used to working with in New York City. And my old thought was, 
if I'm going to teach these kids theater, I'm not going to read to them out of a book. They're going to learn by doing. So they discover what theater is as they work on productions. And we did uh, productions every semester, different production. And they were marvelous in learning how to work together and, and work, you know, work with each other, get along. And I mean, I had, I had even boys beg to be in my class. What do you think of that? <laughs> but they're great That's stories. Great. I, I don't want to get too far afield, but uh, I like, you know, I know, and you've, you've said this isn't just you. And of course, something this big and this important and beautiful and vital to any community cannot be done only by one person. Give us some idea. You keep mentioning the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Give us some idea of, the, of some individuals who are working with you on the Grove and other projects that you've done through the years. All right, on the Grove, we have some really great community leaders working with us. Just to start off, I mean, Elizabeth Cromwell, who is um, the director of the Chamber of Commerce, who is fairly new here, but she's a dynamo. Mm-hmm. We have Dan, Dan Jordan, who was head of Monticello for many years. In fact, he keeps he spurs me on because he says, Peggy, raising money is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yes, yes. So <laughs> we're on this marathon together. We have Jim Hayden, who was president of Martha Jefferson Hospital for a long time. Yes. Leonard Sandridge, who was right-hand man to the University of Virginia forever. Mm-hmm. We have Martin Burks, proud member of this community and also a Chamber Citizenship Award winner. We have Cole Hendricks, the longtime past city manager, and Vin Cibarelli, a past superintendent. We have Ella Jordan, another woman who's very active in the community. So Marshall Pryor, I could go on and on. Yes. We have Jean Corrigan, who is head of the ACC and, and also involved in the NAACC. I probably mispronounced that one. So I don't want to lead anybody out, but these are off the top of my head. But we have some great leaders helping us uh, with the Grove. So we're proud of that. Yes. And again, and, and the reason I ask the question is not just to fortify your point that you are, were not doing this all by yourself, but that there are so many people here in Charlottesville who are so focused on making Charlottesville all that it can be. I remember when I was a kid and we would travel from New York and Pennsylvania, where we lived uh, when I was younger, when we would get past D.C., my father would always say we should try and get to, to Charlottesville because it's where the, it's the transition from one part of the nation to another, and it was important to see the place that sort of was the glue from time to time. And I, when he used to say things like that, I didn't had no idea what he meant, but. Having lived uh, uh, at least part-time in Charlottesville, I see both from its history and both from, and from people like you and the and city council and, and the chamber of commerce, that indeed it is, it is the glue. It is the example that uh, quite literally with your work is going to be at the top of the hill. I love the idea that the, the stone terrace under the oaks, how many people had to get involved to make that excellent choice? Well, we started with a small group, actually, and then hired a landscape architect. Uh, the Murray family, which is some of the award winners, are uh, Jim and Bunny Murray, who were very active environmentally and socially in, in the community. They helped us with the beginning, and we hired a landscape architect, not ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to, to design you know, this gorgeous stone terrace. And it also has an oval 
lawn where people can, you know, throw a frisbee, you know, kick a softball, sure. just play around. So you can sit on the stone terrace and watch your kids play or just sit on the stone terrace and look up at the sky and see these beautiful trees. That's right. So, or just look and look and see the names of uh, all the people who have contributed to this community. So that's how it came about. And, you know, I think somewhere I've, I've seen a photograph of your company, people who work for your landscape company, and they were up in the trees. Am I well, right? Well, yes, <laughs> tell me about that. Well, my husband also owns Vanieri's Tree Company. That's uh -huh. why I told you I come from a family of tree lovers. Yes. And I think some of the pictures you've seen, those are the people in the trees. <laughs> in our landscape architecture business, we didn't have any tree climbers. We just had... <laughs> so, we, we were not, as I said, we did planning and uh, design for yes. college and universities. So we were landscape architects. But the tree company has arborists and tree climbers, and they get to do the fun stuff. Can you name a couple of the colleges and universities for which you provided architectural design? Yeah, we've worked basically from Pennsylvania to Georgia out to the Midwest. Uh, we've worked at Wake Forest and Bucknell University in Pennsylvania, down to Barry College and Morehouse College in Georgia. Morehouse College is one of the last schools we worked for. We did a master plan for mm -hmm. them. We've worked for the University of Dayton and Wright State uh -huh. University out in uh, Dayton. So we we cover the Midwest and, you know, the Middle Eastern states and mostly work for small colleges and universities doing master plans and any kind of site designs they might might have needed. You know, that's fascinating. I, I don't think uh, people generally think about it when they walk through a campus and they see the, the layout and, and the architecture, the landscaping, all of that. I think, you know, they may say that's beautiful, but it doesn't occur to them and it didn't just happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, for us, you know, a campus is an idealized community. Yes. For, the, for those of us who are lucky enough to have been able to go to college, I think you can still remember what it felt like, it, yes. it felt like to be there, particularly we, of course, like the outside. But, you know, usually you're underneath beautiful trees, gorgeous buildings, beautiful spaces. And... For us, it was an idealized place to work because you were making memorable spaces that would live in people's brains, you know, forever. Yes. And so that's why we, we just loved it. I mean, you know, that to us is, you know, we can always visualize these spaces. And uh, just like the Grove, we can visualize it. And, and that's what we were about, creating beautiful, usable spaces for people to use forever. All right, let's give information one more time before we go, Peggy, concerning how one can volunteer or donate funds so that the Grove can happen and beyond, because clearly you, uh, as you've stated, you've got, once the Grove is there, it, it doesn't stop. It keeps going. But first, right. the Grove. How do we support that financially? Okay. So there are two ways. You can go on the Internet to www chamberandgrove.com that's one word c-h-a-m-b-e-r-a-n-d-g-r-o-v-e dot com or you can send to c-a-c-f which is a Charlottesville foundation at 114 4th Street Southeast Charlottesville, Virginia 22902 but be sure to put in your check 
for the Grove. That's right. So, and that memo. <laughs> I have, uh, and, you know, if anyone wants to find out more about the Grove or our bigger vision for Central Park for All, they can always email me at P. That's V-A-N-Y-A-H-R-E-S-P, like Peggy, at gmail.com. Excellent. All right, then. Peggy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. You, uh, well, thank you. I mean, you're more historian than you think, and you're the, <laughs> kind, you're, you're the kind of historian that's that's building in the future. You're building well, the, 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 the history of the future, and I love that. Peggy well, Van like that. That's a nice way to put it. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for being on the show. Thank okay. you, everyone, for being a part of our radio program today, the Reasonable Voices News Radio talk show, our guest today, our reasonable voice today, Peggy Van Yaris. And, okay, so we're going to wish you all the very best. Please send money for The Grove and beyond. Bye now, everyone. Have a great week. We wish you all the very best, especially you, Peggy. Thanks again. Bye now. Thank you. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Impeachment. When President Trump tweets it, that means that it is not illegal? I stopped laughing at conservative Republicans when they elected Nixon twice. Didn't celebrate Nixon's resignation to avoid impeachment. But now it's about more than a president. It is a movement encouraging armed fear to rise again in repetition of sins against humanity. Primed by men who are redefining America in their own image, speaking language designed to incite our violence against each other, confirms it's not just Trump, his limited worldview, nor the narrow-mindedness of his VP Mike Pence. Long before our civil war and for decades after our saving the world from Nazism and fascism, Following 1963 Dallas assassination, our fourth estate glued itself and us to repetitious myopic reporting aiding and abetting America into a nation divided. Enter the money changers, 
men like adelson the koch brothers robert mercer and our unknown unknowns cashing in on their post-world war ii investments to assuage their colossally uncontrollable need to curb our freedom at all cost to us reducing our lives to their chump change from dulles brothers joe mccarthy kent state watergate inaugural delay release of fifty-two american diplomats and citizens then trickle-down, Iran-Contra, Bush-Cheney, perpetual oil wars, Kavanaugh, to a house of Ms. Stefanik, Mr. Conaway, and Jim Jordan, deserting their oath to the Constitution in favor of a pledge of allegiance to the 45th president and his executive house of ill repute. No, not just Trump, but his administration, his advisors, his deals, and his family— consequently impeaching trump will not make america what we thought america was again as long as lying to we the people in order to get elected to elect personal gain over common cause is not a high crime or at least misdemeanor those denying trump's divisiveness has awakened a legion of haters fueled by the fire of losing their inglorious supremacy are the alliance chiseling away at the vital pillars of our potential for a free society secure in its faith in justice for all so trump pence is hardly the first time america has been knocked down and counted out only to rise again above the fray of mob rule worshipping a new demagogue du jour yes sadly we've been here before glazed over willingly re-electing leaders who allow themselves to be rented by america's worst systemic hackers of our constitution both the greed of corporate boards of directors directing our branches of government through puppetry and what was never defeated in eighteen sixty five now re-released to turn off our affection for each other wake up america is caught in the web of a political party that long ago abandoned the statutes of abraham lincoln turned its back on theodore roosevelt's environmental dreams deserted both veterans and our children's climate future all for a president sacrificing ukrainians and all our allies to preserve protect and defend vladimir putin we need spare another generation of young americans from the over-the-top heavy oppression of powerful older white men prioritizing profit over people and planet remembering most under thirty-five don't vote and those who do state governments not russians suppress the votes of college and university students being both embroiled and enthralled with live coverage of Nixon-like conduct unbecoming on steroids, let us try to see through the thinly-veiled hypocrisy of trumped Republicans with the civil unity of middle-class families, the working poor, descendants of America's immigrant forebearers, dreamers, the fallen we memorialize every May, veterans who need our thanks and support beyond one November day, and finally, through the creative challenge of a 35-year-old Francis Scott Key. According to the New York Times, the Trump White House is a toxic stew of personality disputes, policy differences, political rivalries, ethical debates, and a fundamental rift over the president himself. Worse still, perhaps, when an Exxon CEO and a Marine four-star general think the embodiment of the Peter Principle is America's best hope, you're in danger, girl. Might I suggest we remain vigilantly focused 
on the welfare of all the Trump administration has sacrificed. One, other people's money and hires he never paid. Two, refugee children still in cages. Three, Kurdish allies, their wives and children. Four, Americans beaten by Turkish bodyguards. Five, American military left behind to protect Syrian oil. Six, Ukrainians. Seven, American family farms and coal miners. Eight, California firefighters. Nine, our environment. And ten, our children's education. Yet in the midst of self-serving re-elect-me-please political rhetoric, most Americans retain more in common with the heroism of Marie Yovanovitch than increasing gun violence. Remember also our declaration of independence from leaders abandoning the consent of the governed, choosing instead to be a destructive government. We the people then have the right to alter Mitch McConnell's Republican Senate, abolish Trump-Pence anti-American administration, and reinstitute a renewed government of, by, and for the people. In solidarity with, you can't promote principal anti-corruption action without pissing off corrupt people. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice blog talk radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.